When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back to Poke the Bear, episode 7. Presented by BetUS, I'm host Evan Marinovsky alongside Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Connor, how we doing? Doing swell, Evan. How you doing? Doing very well. Uh, focusing on Twitter uh, Tuesday morning pointed out that we're always in podcasts together. We're always recording, and I think he's right. I mean, I, we, we spend all of our day on Zoom pretty much recording podcasts for, for you, the listeners. Exactly. I mean, it just shows how dedicated we are that you know, we're spending every waking moment of this offseason that we don't know when it's going to end, just uh, sending out this great content for you guys. So It just continues. Just continues. We have no idea. It's never, we it's ta- never ending. We were talking before we started recording what the content's going to be like in, you know, October, November. Uh, you know, when one thing we'll talk about in this podcast, in this episode, is Gary Bettman's comments on when the season could resume or when the season could start uh, the 2020-2021 season, which is wild to think that it's going to yeah. be 2021 next year. And that's like the season. Every year I'm always like, oh, my God, you're 2018-19, Holy crap. Like, you know, that's crazy. That's so like in the future. And then it, it goes past. You know, like, well, here it comes. Uh, so uh, the, no, the tentative date for the start of 2020-21 season is December 1st. Uh, camp is supposed to tentatively start November 17th, I believe. Yeah. Which is like no camp. That's like 13 days. Yes. Um, it, it's not very long. Um, Batman talked on Friday sort of about when the season might begin. And he obviously had caution saying that, it, you know, it easily could start later December, potentially January. What do you think they're going to end up doing? Yeah, I mean, you listen to that press conference that Bettman and, and Bill Daly had, and a lot of it is what you'd expect from, you know, hearing from a commissioner, giving all the stuff that's been going on, where it's a lot of, you know, this is all speculation. Like, that, that I think was the one, you know, keyword was speculation, because I don't think anyone has any set in stone idea of what we're going to be looking looking at, you know, just in a couple of months from a, a league perspective. But I think... uh some of the takeaways you, you take from that conference though is, you know, I don't think December 1st is going to be a feasible date. Uh, when you look at, you know, the, the league's going to be pretty much turning a corner within the next week or so, depending on how long this cup final goes. And you've got, you know, the critical dates that are already set in stone, like the draft and the start of free agency. But I think when you look at starting everything back up again in, you know, November for training camp one, I don't know. I don't think you can, you're going to have a training camp that's only going to be 13 days, considering 
all these guys, it's going to be, it's the same boat where it's not these guys have free reign to, you know, work out on the ice and stuff like that. It's like, you know, you can't just go to any rink to, to, you know, get your conditioning up and get kind of started for this new season anyway. Um, and then, you know, for it to be December 1st, there's a whole bunch of different factors that go into it, but I just can't see the NHL starting at that point when it seems like there's still so much up in the air. You know, you don't know what, you know, testing will be available. You don't know, um, obviously with the borders, you don't know what's going to happen between the U S and Canada. You know, are, you know, are they going to switch around, you know, the divisions to have, you know, only the Canadian teams, you know, play one another or something like like an all Canadian conference to the kind of, you know, <laughs> something like that. Like, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but you know, you have to look at those kind of things in this situation and see what, uh, what's the most feasible thing to do because it just seems like everything's up in the air, but you know, if you go and look at a, a date, like maybe like January 1st, like you start with the uh, uh, winter classic, whatever that kind of looks like and kind of build off from there that seems more feasible than just going into the, the start of December when you don't really know what you're getting. Yeah. You know, you know the, the perfect scenario, right. Is there's a vaccine in like six weeks, but that's not going to happen. And it's not going to get everyone vaccinated by that point. So, and I think the NHL's stuck, you know, stuck in a tough spot because they're, you know, that league is much more gate driven than any other league. You know, the NBA and the NFL have TV deals and broadcasting deals and make things a whole lot easier for them to kind of weather this storm. The NHL, if we're going to be staring at empty arenas through March, April, like <laughs> the NHL, I think would rather wait it out and get to a point where maybe like you miss the first month and a half, two months of the season with, you know, limited attendance and then gradually build up, you know, 25%, 50% or something like that, because I can't see how some of these, you know, like look, look at a team like Arizona, right? Where they can't even pay off their friggin' arena. You think they're going to just go along with just playing in front of an empty bond for four months, not making a profit off of any of it. Like there's no way. Well, that's the thing. And, and, you know, you see the NFL right now, there's a few stadiums that have, you know, a, you know, a portion of the stadium full, maybe like tw- 15% or whatever it is. Obviously Jerry Jones and the Cowboys had to have fans. You were, of you course. didn't expect them to show up with no fans. Um, by the way, it is pretty cool to see fans like back and cheering. Even if whether or not it's safe, I don't know. Uh, we don't really know the repercussions, but it is cool to see on TV. Uh, but it's tough with the NHL because it's indoors. And I feel like people definitely look at being outdoors with a, you know, 70,000 seat facility with like 10,000 people. Uh, rather than indoors when there's like 17,000 seats and there's like 4,000 people there indoors. I don't know how you make that work with concourses. I don't know how you do that with seats. I yes. don't, I mean, is there food? Are you selling drinks? Like especially with the Jacobs with the concessions, that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, with Delaware North, are, are you not going to sell concessions? Are you going to sell like prepackaged? I don't know how they how they do it. Now, luckily we're not the ones who have to decide that, but um, it is a crazy prospect to think that we're going to be ready in December or December 1st. The other aspect of it is like, we've been praising the NHL for, you know, they've done 33,000 tests in the bubble. There's been no positive cases and credit to them. Like that is an incredible achievement to do on such short notice in the middle of a pandemic, like all the power to them. But in a regular season, you're not, first of all, you're not going to get players to agree to be in, go back into a bubble. Yeah. It's not going to happen. No. Uh, and you're not you're not going to be in a bubble, so you're going to have positive tests. 
You know, like you're going to have players miss games. You're going to have games kind of like the MLB where, you know, they miss games because three guys have COVID. And like, are you okay with that? Is I think that's going to be a huge prospect for the league to sort of uh, undertake. You know, are you okay with having positive cases or potentially having positive cases? Now this sort of goes back to, and this hasn't really been mentioned a lot, at least with the NHL, I don't think officially, but it wouldn't be the worst idea to have just divisions play each other, stay in your region. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're the, you know, if you're the, if you're the, if you're out East, play East teams, you know, if you're the Atlantic division, just play in the Atlantic division, the Metro plays the Metro, or even you could redraw the map, you know, where you don't yes. have the Bruins going to Florida. Instead, you have the Bruins playing the Rangers, the Islanders, the Devils, mm-hmm. you know, staying in your region mm-hmm. might be a lot more smart. Um, and the other thing is that there's 82 games back to back. I mean, you, you think back to backs are bad right now. Imagine 82 games in like four months. Yeah. yeah that, that's the, the other big takeaway I think is Gary Bettman again said, and it's all up to, you know, it's all speculation on when the season's going to be starting, but the kind of core, you know, things they want to take away from whatever this next new season's going to be is they still want 82 games, but they also, he stressed that they don't want to be playing into the summer again. And it makes sense for this upcoming year too, because NBC also has the rights to the twenty now twenty twenty one Summer Olympics. So you They're don't want to get still calling it the twenty twenty yeah, Olympics, which really Heinz confuses hysterical. me every time I see that. I'm like, uh, it, it doesn't. Talk, is the branding that expensive? Just switch switch the zero on the one. You're fine. But what's funny is though, like you, when you think about it, when will time go back to normal? Like I don't know if you like not to interrupt you, but like when I think of like twenty nineteen twenty, it feels like it was. So long, and you just kind of like it feels like it's so long ago. You forget when it was. Like, was that last year? But oh, like the Stanley Cup final was, you know, two summers ago now. Yeah, and they're in the middle of the neck of of the one after it mm-hmm. right now. And like, I, I just don't know when like time's going to go back to normal. Like the Olympics are going to be the 2020 Olympics, but in 2021, it's just it's, it's so odd. Completely ass backwards. But yeah, I mean. The NHL, you know, they can't be in a situation again like they were this year. This was a one-time crazy thing because, you know, Batman even said that you know, we're not looking at pushing, um, you know, an expanded playoff field again next year. As much as, you know, teams like Montreal were pumped that they got into the playoffs and got a little run out of it, you know, it's not what the NHL is looking to bring all these teams that probably weren't deserving of a playoff spot in just because, you know, the nature of playoff hockey too just shit happens. So, you know, it would have been crazy if – Montreal and one of these teams ended up winning winning the cup. It'd be cool, I guess, for Montreal fans. But you, the entire time, you'd have people complaining about the fact that it, you know it was a tainted playoff run, or you know this this doesn't matter. This doesn't mean anything. If it, you know Dallas and Tampa Bay wins, I don't think you're gonna have people saying quite the same thing because it's two you know teams that you know Dallas maybe was a little bit of an underdog, but still they were a, a good team going through. They were top four team going into the West. So. Um, but I think, you know, you look at just what the the league's looking at in terms of getting 82 games and having it wrapped up by the same, you know, June schedule, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, listen, man, I'm a, I'm not a uh, math major. I took uh, journalism in, in college because I couldn't do math. The numbers don't add up in terms of getting a full 82-game schedule unless, as you said, you want these guys playing uh, back-to-backs, like three back-to-backs a week. Which at that point, congratulations on like rolling out an AHL team by the time you get to the playoffs because everyone's going to be completely banged up. You could do like the MLB and just have a game every night, and you can just yes. keep playing and playing and playing, and like you'll see AHL guys playing against you know 
like in the in the middle of the season because they want to. It's like a rest day for Patrice Bergeron. It'll be it'll be the NLB. They'll just you know roll out guys. They'll have like three game sets against like the Maple Leafs and they'll beat the hell out of each other. But I mean that's essentially what it would be. You have to you, you the NHL absolutely has to res, you know understand that if they don't want to play into the summer, which I agree, I think summer hockey's weird as shit. I don't want that to yeah. keep happening. Uh, but if they'd like the season wrapped up by June and they don't know if it's going to start December 1st, they think it's going to start in January, could start after, they're going to have to go to a 40-game schedule or 46 or whatever the number is. But go, cut the 82 games in half because if you're going to have a shortened training camp and you're going to have a shortened season or, or a shortened amount of time to complete a season, why keep the same amount of games? Just do 46. Not every team will play every team. Whatever. Fine. And again, senior regions. I don't know why that's like a, a horrible thing. I, I'm sorry. I don't need to see the Bruins play the Minnesota Wild. I don't need to see <laughs> the, the Winnipeg Jets play the Anaheim Ducks. I, I don't. Yeah. It, it's not on my list of things I need to do in 2021. There's a lot of other things I need to do uh, <laughs> next year. But I really, like, who cares? You know, like, just get us. I just want there to be hockey. I want there to be a season. And I want it to be safe as well. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, again, the safety of the players is most paramount, you know, and I think. That's going to be a legit thing. I also think Batman also mentioned rolling out a percentage of fans at each game as the season goes along. Like if mm-hmm. the conditions get safer, you know, fifteen yeah. you know, starting at nobody, then fifteen, then twenty, then slowly getting to full capacity. Mm-hmm. Do you think that happens? You know, I think that's probably the optimistic look at it. It would make sense. It, it all depends on just what the testing protocols and all these things are. Because you know, if you told me back in. May or June when maybe the NHL was first starting at, you know, bringing this league back, I was hopeful they were going to get this season done, but also was like, there's no way they can test all these guys or anything like that. And they made it work. You look at the NFL right now and um, the amount of testing they're doing um, just the volume of it. Plus the fact that these tests are getting a quicker and quicker turnaround. Like I, I think they're working on tests that give you the results within the same day or just in a couple of hours. So if by the time the NHL is starting things up again by the winter or, or January, if they want to wait that long, it becomes more feasible for you to at least, you know, curb some of these outbreaks before they happen. It's not like MLB where it's, you know, the testing was, you know, you weren't getting results for two days and the guys were in quarantine to know what, who was he was exposed to or anything like that. So I think, you know, added testing infrastructure would go a long way in terms of at least getting the season off the ground. Like I think you're, you're on the money where, it should be, you know, regional based. I don't know what the Bruins would do because I don't know if they're able to go up to Canada. But, you know, if you go down to, you know, as far down to like Carolina or something, you know, but then all the Metro, all like, you know, the New York City teams and, and stuff like that, you can make that work. So there's a couple of different ways they can go with it. And I think you could kind of the NHL's MO and, you know, Bettman said that they caught a little bit of flack when they were doing the planning process because, you know, they announced they wanted to come back. They were going to have two bubbles, but they didn't announce what the host cities were going to be for months. And everyone's like, all right, when are you going to say it, man? When are you going to say it? And they're like, oh, we're just going to wait. And it ended up working out great for them because if you committed to Vegas back in May and then all those outbreaks happened in Nevada, all of a sudden you got a shitstorm on your hands. So they waited out, waited out, waited out, wait, see what the best scenario was. And it was a great decision to go up to Toronto and Edmonton. So I think you're going to see the same thing where they're going to be kind of evaluating, seeing how, you know, the testing infrastructure improves, um, seeing how the NFL does with all this. Cause if the NFL, you know, knock on wood goes through without a major outbreak or something, that'd be a, a major success. Cause the NFL was going to be screwed. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we always think it's going to be worse than it is. Uh, and it, and you know, the NFL has found a way 
the NHL found a way. The MLB, after starting off terrible, slowly found a way. The answer seems to be testing. And I, I I can tell you firsthand, you do more testing, you feel safer. You know, like at UMass, you get tested twice a week. You know, whether you're on campus, off campus, you're living on, in Amherst. You know, if you're a student enrolled, you have an on-campus class, you have to get tested twice a week. I have to go right after we finish this taping because <laughs> I need to get tested for the first time this week. Um, eight straight negative test, baby. Let's go. There you go. Uh, but but it, it, it changes everything because you know the people you're seeing, the people you're doing stuff with are negative as well. And this, this, we've been very fortunate. The situation has been very good in Amherst. Uh, but it's a huge aspect of it. You know, uh, when you know that everyone's getting tested, everyone's negative, you can walk around with people, you know, people and, and hang out with them and do things with them uh, when they're negative. And, and it cha- I feel like it, and that's sort of what the leagues are going through now is you don't have to worry about getting too close to an opposing winger because you know that person mm-hmm. tested negative that day. So yeah. um, it, it, it is a big thing. And I think testing is really kind of key for all four um, of the major sports, especially the NHL. One date that is set is uh, the buyout date. Uh, and the free agency. The free agency will commence at noon on October 9th. Tory Krug decision day. Um, and then uh, buyouts start September 25th. We have not discussed buyouts a lot. The Bruins, there's, we, we discussed this before. There's about, there's two contracts you could potentially see them buying out. Who are they? And do you think they actually get bought out? Yeah, I, I think the Bruins. By the are... way, Bruins fans, by the way, who are listening should pause it. Guess the two people who might get bought out. You'll probably get them right. And now restart it and let Connor go and tell you what you've already know. Are you going to go into the editing pot and add in like the, the Jeopardy music for like 30 seconds? Yeah. To- you guys get 30 seconds to, to, to take, you know, decide in two seconds who you probably think the Bruins could buy out. Yeah. I mean, the only two realistic guys, right, would be uh, John Moore and Nick Ritchie, but it's not really like a slam dunk for either of them. You know, the Bruins don't have a, like a, a true, you know, albatross contract right where you know guys are making you know four million dollars a year for three years and you look at a you know like carl alzner with montreal you look at uh lundquist i think could very well get bought out his last year in new york that's crazy Um, yeah justin applicator is a guy i think you know he's on the hook for maybe like three and a half four million for three years and he's 36 and washed up so detroit has the cap space anyway to do that but the Bruins don't really have a guy like that. If if David Backus was still on this team, you'd probably look at a, a buyout because I think the, the overall cap hit would be a lot less, um, a lot less, you know, impactful than it was in years past in terms of how much money would be retained and how much that money would be spread out. But um, the interesting case is a guy like Richie, who's, you know, under a certain age. So I think he'd only get about a third of his remaining salary. Um and it would be, I think, around like six hundred and sixty-six thousand uh, would be due to him, and they'd be split out over these two years. So, um, if you like, look at the, you know, there's, you know, Cap Friendly and uh, a few of those sites that do a great job of breaking all that down. You know, you put in Nick Ritchie's name, and the Bruins actually like save all of their money next year in terms of, you know, I think he's on the hook for like one point six, one one point four, one point six million dollars. Mm-hmm. The Bruins literally, if they bought him out, wouldn't have to pay any of that, ne- or it wouldn't count on the cap. It'd still pay him three three hundred and thirty three thousand dollars, but in terms of a cap hit, it'd be off the books. Which, you know, one point six isn't you know it's not going to change your whole outlook on the off season, of course, but it still you know counts towards 
you know, can go a long way in a flat cap like this, where you're trying to, you know, fit in one extra contract or trying to, you know, move another a player just to facilitate a trade or, or, you know, a depth signing that could be more used to you, uh, whether it be on the blue line or further down the lineup. So, um, that'd be a case where if you were to buy him out again, you wouldn't have to pay him next year. And then the following season, the 2021, 22 season, it would be a situation where you'd only, the cap hit would only be $333,000, which is nothing, right? Like that's, you don't even have to worry about that. The Bruins for have, you know, had about 3 million in dead money with Dennis Seidenberg's buyout and Matt Bolesky's retained salary. So like 333,000 is chump change. So, you know, th- that really shouldn't factor too much into it. Now, do you buy out Nick Ritchie because and here comes the issue, the optics. Yeah, yeah, I mean the optics have an arm very good, right? I mean, he's still a, a guy that, you know, is twenty four years old. Uh they thought, you know, they were gonna get a guy who obviously the the size factor and stuff like that plays into it, but they thought they were gonna get a, a guy who could, you know, scrap down low and score goals for them too. It wasn't like he was just like a a, a goon they were bringing in, right? So to kind of jump ship on him after you know, less than, you know, 30 games, you know, 25 games combined between the regular season and postseason. I don't know if they want to do that. But plus, again, the optics of buying out a guy, even if it saves you one point, you know, 1.6 million this year, you still give up Dan Hine for him, right? I mean, if it's, it's not like it, issue. it's not like it was, you know, you gave up, you know, a few prospects or, or something like that, where it's like, oh, we, we added this guy for, you know, Dan Hine and as, you know, divisive, I think he maybe was to some Bruins fans. I still brought a lot of value. Like you probably missed him during this postseason. So again, the issue with the Heinen, the issue with the Heinen trade, you could have got more for Danton Heinen. I have no problem with them trading Heinen, but you could have got more. Yeah, they didn't. And I just, it, it, you saw it. Now watch Nick Ritchie come back next year and score 30 goals. And that's all. That would be fantastic. (laughs) It it would be like the Milan Lucic 30 goals where like eight of them were empty netters or something wild like that. Um, but the, the Nick Ritchie stuff, you know, we go on and on about that. Uh, but again, the optics look terrible. That would yeah. look, you know, it's like you gave Heinen away for nothing. You know, the Bruins have already got a lot of crap about trades like that. Sagan trade. Yeah, just uh, bad. The Riley just, Smith you know. deal. Guys coming back that you're just never using. Uh, so clearing up cap space to then sign Bolesky, who you then traded and you retained a whole bunch of his salary. So it's just bad asset management, you know. It is, and that's why that this I think you're not going to see. And also, like if you you're, if a lot of people are like oh trade Richie, to, who what what are you going to get for Nick Richie? Like you yes. get like what like a fifth round pick? I mean, you're not yeah, getting. I mean, it would be like part of a package, I guess. But even then, it's you know, I'm sure something would probably value him. It's just I don't think you're going to get a if you're just going to do like a one for one trade or something like that. You know, you're not going to get a return, also, in, a crazy in, return. In, for in him. fair, also in fairness to Nick Richie, you know, obviously. He didn't have a lot of time to get acclimated to the Bruins. Not everyone had. Not everyone can get acclimated in two seconds. I respect that. He could come back next year, whenever that next year happens, and as time goes on, develop chemistry with the fourth line or on Charlie Coyle's left side and be formidable enough. Like mm-hmm. it's not like this is guys costing you a ton to be on your roster. Yeah. Obviously, you want the as, as much extra space as you can. You don't want dead space on there. But it's not like this guy's four million a year. You yeah. know. If if he if it's a project and he's up you know one point six million one point four whatever it is, fine, fine. As long as he's not doing the dopey shit he did against the Lightning, where he 
co- basically cost you the game um, in some in basically pretty much flat out. So um, also that. So the buyout, it shouldn't be a big thing with the Bruins. I don't think you're not going to see any big buyouts. You're not going to buy out Tuka Rask. Grass isn't getting bought out on September 25th. Don't worry. Uh, I hope I hope that doesn't actually happen. To the people <laughs> yeah, and but, I, mean, I, I mean the only other one would be Moore, right? And John Moore, I think, is a guy that you know he's under contract for another three years at 2.75 million. Like you gotta try to do something with that contract because that's one where you look at the money and it, it is hurting your your chances of you know doing everything you want to do during this off season for a guy who. Even if, you know, Krug walks, I don't know if John Moore is your, your solution there, you know, to put in as a, a top four defenseman, the guy who's going to get 18, 20 minutes a night. So I'd imagine the first priority would be seeing if you could get something in a trade for him because there's a bunch of, you know, teams that need bodies, like at least capable NHLers on their blue line. And the Bruins have a, a glut of at least guys who could fill in a role like that. So, um, you know, I think John Moore, you know, they'd be looking at a trade first, but – you look at the, the buyout for it and, you know, you buy him out, you pay him, I think 805, you, you buy him like eight, you buy him out for, you know, three years and then you're paying him another six, like six total years. You buy him out and the cap hit drops down next year to 1.3 million. And then it's 805,000, then 1.3 million again. And then the last three years, it's 805,000. So not awful, but still that's close to a million each for next six years diverted to a guy who, wasn't even like a, a starting defenseman this year for you. So that's when you look at like the term of it and you're like, yeah, all right, well, you know, if you can get a trade, that'd be the priority, but it just depends on what kind of the market is for him out there. Look at us being a, accountants, mainly look at you being an accountant, figuring yeah, out all these salary things. It's funny. Thank, thank God for cap friendly. Oh so. God. Yes. Cap friendly and natural stat trick. God bless them. Um, so it's funny I just pulled this up on my phone. Pierre Lebrun tweeted this uh, just this Tuesday morning. Uh, NHL having an internal conference call today to again discuss the Stanley Cup Championship Tour, which is the Players' Day with the Cup uh, for after the season. Obviously, in these COVID times, things will be different. They've had a number of calls on this over the past several weeks. I didn't even think of that. Guys will yeah. not have their normal day with the Cup. They will have to nope. maybe do it via Zoom. Maybe they can just kind of have it around the house. They're going to have to disinfect the Cup after every stop. Yeah. You have to wipe that thing down like it's, you know, like, you know, it's crazy to think. I, you never think of that stuff. But then, oh, my God, like, you know, if you're – this is your first time winning the Cup. If you're, you know, any of the guys who, you know, this is your first go-around with it, you're, you're probably dreaming your whole life, like, bringing it back to your hometown, like Slovakia, and, and you know, uh, giving it to the locals and letting everyone touch it. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, no one's – you're not kissing that thing. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> of course. And even, like, thankfully – Dallas and Tampa have both won cups before, but just imagine a team that has never won the cup or, you know, let's say it's like Toronto who hasn't won in forever. And some of the cool parts of it too is, especially, you know, in the first month or two after you win the cup is that you, that cup shows up at every single friggin' bar in the city. Like I remember oh, yeah. when the Bruins won, like they were every, like they were in Southie a couple of times. Like it was like, it wasn't even like a big deal by the end of it. It's like, Oh, it's here again. Like shit. All right. Well, it's going to be packed there. We'll go to the other bar because <laughs> we've already seen it like eight times, but that's a cool part about it too, is that it's just kind of, you find it kind of everywhere within the city over the first month or so. And, you know, Dallas, and it's not like Dallas and Tampa are exactly hockey hotbeds. So it's not like this 
period of mourning. But if it was like Toronto and like you know they can't celebrate, <laughs> the cup in there, it, it would it would be the most Toronto thing ever. But like for them, that would straight up suck if, if it was a situation oh, bad. Thanks. But, so it it would be it's gonna be very interesting to see what they do because yeah, it's not gonna be the full uh the the full pomp and circumstance you usually see from you know, a team winning the cup in terms of all the tradition and the, the revelry. I don't think you're going to see someone at Foxwoods racking up uh, a whole bunch of bills like the Bruins did back in 2011. Yeah. So speaking of betting on when the future comes, when we get, you know, when we can have these Stanley cup final parades, uh, Connor, why don't you listen to us about bet us? Listen up sports betters. This is Connor Ryan here to tell you about my favorite sports book. And that's bet us. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back, and that means it's time to get down your bets. I only endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS.com. Why do you ask? It's because BetUS is the pioneer in online betting for more than 25 years in the business. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, entertainment, and all kinds of crazy prop bets and futures. No one in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. So go to BetUS.com right now and fill out your information. It only takes a minute. When you get to the How Did You Hear About Us box, type in Boston Sports Journal. You can get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. No one beats that. I bet at BetUS, and so should you. So join BetUS today, and don't forget, type in Boston Sports Journal to get up to 150% bonus on your first deposit. That's BetUS.com. BetUS.com. Go there now. Uh, so before we wrap this up, uh, the NHL Awards were Monday night. Uh, and nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, Kel McCarr won Calder. I was totally in on that, obviously. Oh, shocking. Shocking. I had no bias there at all. Um, but the Vesna, obviously, Connor Hellebuck, uh, we both, you know, you've said it multiple times. I kind of forgot when, when the Vesna first got announced, or when the season first ended, I kind of forgot. Uh, about all the, the goodness uh, uh, that the Jets don't have on defense. Mm. And I was like, oh, Tuka Rask, top of the stats for most of, you know, advanced and uh, and regular stats. Oh, give it to him. And then you kind of look at it and go, wait a second, Connor Hellbuck actually really deserves that award. Yeah, so the... very, very rightfully so won it. I'm mm-hmm. glad the rest of the league saw that because um, I was kind of scared there for a little bit that people were just going to go off stats. Uh, but uh, I think Rask got – was it 10 first place votes? Yeah, it was actually, it was, it was actually closer than I thought it was going to be. Um, cause I, I mean, Paul Connor Hellebuck had a friggin' AHL defense around him. So, I mean, that guy was hung up to dry multiple times. So he was definitely deserving of that, but I think it was closer than I expected. You know, it wasn't like a, a runaway. Like he saw a few of these other votes. Yeah. So Rask got 10 first place votes and then he came in second because he had 15. Uh, mm-hmm. Charlie McAvoy got some votes, uh, in fourth and fifth place for the Norris. Mm-hmm. Uh, very small amount, but still, I think he came in 10th overall. So that's something. I mean, you put him top 10 defenseman in the NHL, maybe. Ooh, maybe. Yeah. Then, then, you, then you saw, like, people giving, like, Tony D'Angelo, like, top five votes. And it's like, dude dude scores a lot of points, but, like, holy shit, he's not a – the 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 best way to sum Tony D'Angelo is that last game the Rangers played where he got completely undressed by, uh, oh, I think, yeah. Sebastian Ajo. I mean, that's – He's a good offensive player, but dude, he's not—he's not the complete guy you want winning a Norris Trophy. But, but oh, I mean, yeah. as as a whole, the voting was were too many. You know, you could go either way with Kilmacar or Quinn Hughes, and both of them are fantastic. Like I, oh, I yeah. had Hughes just because I think Hughes plays a little you bit more. That's okay. Yeah, that's, that's the main reason, of course. I don't want to say it. I was hoping for you to give me the retort, but 
Uh, just because I think Hughes plays a little bit less, not sheltered minutes, but, you know, Kale McCarr is deployed mostly offensively, which makes sense. I mean, you know why. But, um, I mean, you go either order there. Both of them are fantastic. Um, the the hot trophy, I I thought I if I had a vote, I would have gone with Atemi Panarin. But I would have as well. Yeah, uh, just his 5-on-5 five five numbers were bananas for a team like that. It wasn't like he was even like playing with Zibanejad and like these big guns. Like he was, it was like Strom and a few of these other guys. Other guys I'd say it was, was, was Strom down the middle. Yeah. So, um, I mean, he talked about like a, a free agent signing actually working out. You can't go on with Go Panarin. figure. I didn't know those yeah, happened. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, the other thing was Bruins actually did well in the first and second team all-stars. First team all-star was David Pasternak. I think as expected, I think we, that was not a surprise yeah. to anybody. Yeah. Um, and then Rask and Marshawn were on the second team. Uh, yeah. So Rask, I, I expected. Marshawn, I was a little bit surprised. I agreed. But I kind mm-hmm. of forgot uh, mm-hmm. just how good he was this year, statistically, uh, among the rest of the league. And yeah. he was good enough to get on the second team. So uh, all well-deserved. No surprises. I didn't see anybody that was like, what the hell? Like, that's, that's bull. Uh, it, was, it was very expected. It was very good. Um, weird except, guy, except for the guy who gave uh, Jari the Penguins goalie like a, a top five vote for the hot. I was like, dude, what the? Oh, I didn't what? even see that. Are you yeah. serious? I was like, dude, come on. Ugh, that's the stuff. Some of those, like, some, those, some of those things like, that it's like someone dude. voted for when I was looking at the Selkie vote. Someone gave Machian a first place for the Selkie. I was like, dude, he yep. wasn't like. It's not even like a, a thing where you know you shouldn't go into that voting going with the narrative, right? But there's a, a set group that you know is going to be in the top five, right? Where it's going to be Bergeron, Couturier, Sorelli had a big jump this year. So he was everyone. People were talking about him, Mark Stone. Like, Machin's a, a great two-way player. But, like, to make him first place, it's like, uh, Well, there's also, like, people give, like, Nolachari a third-place vote, which, like... Nolachari got one? Shout, shout out to Nolachari. I mean, he's having a great little time down in Florida. But, come on, guys. What do we... What are it's we doing gotta be, It's got to be for attention. I know that sounds like really pessimistic, but it's got to be for some attention. Like, oh, I voted for Brad Marshawn for first place. Look at me. I stand – it's like the guy who shows up to school in high school with like a droid or like not an <laughs> iPhone, just wants to be different. Like I remember I had, the first, the, <laughs> I had that phase freshman year. Yes. Like I had the, that phase freshman year of high school where like I wanted to get a Samsung Galaxy. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be the kid who has the galaxy. And I didn't, thank God, because my friends were like, we're not going to text you if, if it pops up green. There's nothing more annoying than green texts. Yes. Uh, but that's kind of the way it is, getting that attention. I'd like to think someday if I ever get the chance to have a vote, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to vote for, for, for how I – I tell you what I see. That's what I, that's yeah. what I do. That's the thing. Is like that would be their argument. It's like, oh, I'm telling you what I see. It's like, all right, well, you got a shitty <laughs> – you have a shitty case thing. You need some contacts there, Yeah, guy. yeah, exactly. Uh, but at any rate, uh, that has been uh, episode seven of Poke the Bear. Uh, Connor, is there anything you would like to uh, tell the, the listeners that you are working on right now? Yeah, we are uh, still breaking down some of the, the next wave of Bruins players that we think can impact this team in 2020-21, maybe just the 2021 season at this point. It might just stop there and end there. Um, so we'll be looking at Jackson Nico. I think we'll have a story out. Uh, you know, today, and we'll be looking at a few other of these younger players that can impact the team for as much as the, uh, you know, we, we're going to focus this offseason on trades and free agents. You know, they still have a couple of these younger players that can make a pretty big impact next year if all goes well. So taking a deep dive of that, and again, we'll have plenty of stuff pretty much every single day on the site at bostonsportsjournal.com. So subscribe there. You can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Do all that. And uh, for Connor Ryan, I'm Evan Maronofsky. Have a great rest 
of your day.